Hello and welcome to the next in my series of studies in John's Gospel. John 12, 27, Jesus says, Now my soul is troubled. And I've been thinking, what difference does it make to us that Jesus was concerned or anxious or apprehensive about something? Does that disturb us? Do we want Jesus to be confident and without fear or stress? What does it say to us about him? I'm recording this right by Christmas, but this is an Easter message. I love the juxtaposition of these two things. Jesus has been talking about now being the time when he is to be glorified through his death and resurrection. And in our last study, he talked about uh, loving and hating life. And we talked about the importance of uh, hating selfishness within ourselves. And that is then where he goes on to say, whoever... Uh, serves me must follow me. Where I am, my servant will also be. My father will honour the one who serves me. And it's in that context, hello Bonnie, it's in that context that he says, now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. So let's look at that in detail. My soul is troubled. David Jackman in his commentary on John's gospel says the verb is a strong one, signifying shock, agitation, even revulsion. He does not want to go through with the the crucifixion. It's not something that he's saying, oh, good, he can't wait for the end of the week. This is going to be fantastic. So why was he so troubled, repulsed by what was going to happen? Well, we can't be sure, but I suspect there may be a combination of a number of things. Remember, we believe that Jesus was fully human as well as fully God. So there was an element where he was going to experience physical pain, which he would have felt profoundly. He was going to be beaten, a crown of thorns placed upon his head. He was going to be crucified and die in a very, very long, drawn out and painful way. And he didn't look forward to that. Though he was fully God, he was not immune from the pain and the real uh, feelings that that brought. But I think, too, there was an emotional pain from the rejection, from the ridicule, from the laughter of the crowd and the soldiers and the, the people at the foot of the cross mocking him. These things weren't easy. These weren't things that he looked forward to. But I think also there is an element of an unknown suffering, of what it was like for him to take upon himself our sin. And what that would have felt like is unknown. Perhaps we will discover in heaven the horror uh, and the revulsion of all the centuries of human woes upon him. The last thing I want to suggest is perhaps a little more controversial. The last reason I think that Jesus perhaps was troubled and did not want and did not look forward to the cross was whether there was a risk of failure. I wonder if, and I believe there was, just as there was a genuine temptation from Satan, uh, there was a genuine risk, perhaps, that Satan would triumph. Was it possible that Jesus would not rise from the dead? Was it possible that it could all go wrong? Now, that may be very, very controversial, and folks can um, disagree by all means, because I'm not at all certain, but I throw it out there. 
Whatever it is, what we are left with is an understanding and, an ex and a glimpse into the depth of the love of Jesus. That he goes through the cross for us when it wasn't easy or good. And he, and he says, what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. He says, look, do I want to be excused? Do I want to be let off? And uh, he, he, he says, no. It was for this very reason uh, that I came to this hour. He does not want to be excused. So what do we learn from this, uh, that the cross was his goal, that he had come to, to humanity, he'd come to be born in the stable, he'd come to live for this moment. This crucifixion and resurrection was the most important thing that he had come to do. Now, that's not to deny the importance of his teaching and what, it, what he was showing us on how to live, how to love our neighbor. That's all part of the deal. But without the cross and resurrection of Jesus, it missed the purpose of why he came. So why does he say, I don't want to miss, I don't want to be excused from this. The fact that it's difficult does not mean that I don't want to go through with it because this is the very reason I came. What does that mean for us? Well, firstly, I think it means that we need to grasp hold that Jesus' fundamental desire was to save. He came to save. And though religion and elements of Christianity seem to portray that Jesus' fundamental aim was to punish, it clearly isn't. He came to save. The very reason that Jesus came was not to rebuke people, but to die on the cross for mankind. He came to save. And that is really important when we doubt whether we can be forgiven, when we doubt whether we are loved, when we doubt whether we are valued, whether we doubt whether we have significance. We need to hold on to, here is the Saviour who has come to us for this purpose. The cross and resurrection wasn't a, a happy byproduct. It wasn't something that just occurred uh, as an afterthought. It was the very intention of Jesus. And that tells us that salvation from death is what we need. That, that, that actually the, 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 the hope of resurrection, the, the forgiveness that leads to new life, the eternal life that Jesus wants to bring is really what we want and need. Sometimes I come across kind of liberal interpretations of Christianity which suggest that what really matters is life now and that Jesus has come to show us how to live our life now. And that, it is true that he came to show us how to live life now, but that life was to go on into eternity. And it really matters to God that we make that choice and that we take up that invitation and that we have that opportunity to live forever and so it tells us that we are deeply wanted. There is a life after death that Jesus wishes us to participate in. He wants us to be forgiven. He wants us to find salvation. And so he says, I don't want to be excused from this. Rather, he says, Father, glorify your name. And Jesus is choosing not the self-interest that might have come with his humanity, if we go back to our last study, he's not choosing the selfishness. He's choosing the glory of the revelation of the name of God, the gracious and compassionate one revealed to Moses. He says, I am choosing to reveal God 
as gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. I want that to be glorified. I want people to go, this is the God we love and follow. And I'm choosing to demonstrate that now on the cross. And then a voice from heaven came. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. Now, what does this voice from heaven mean? Does it mean that Jesus was separate to God? Is this the proof, perhaps, that some would say that Jesus wasn't God? Well, we always need to uh, look at the context of things, and when we take one verse and, and put it in, in opposition to another verse, we need to be very careful. And John has begun his gospel making it abundantly clear that Jesus was God. In the beginning was the Word. This is John 1, the very beginning of this book. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so Jesus has come from God, being God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has ever been made. He's making it very clear that this uh, Jesus, who is the Word, is the very creator God. So why is there a separate voice from heaven? Well, he tells us that it was for the benefit of others. This Jesus said in verse 30, it was, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. See, Jesus didn't need clarification or confirmation. He didn't need to be reminded of who he was or that he was doing the right thing. But those who were listening needed the, the confirmation that firstly, that Jesus was glorifying God in what he was about to do and that this was significant. What the voice from heaven is telling those who are watching is that God was in two places. He was fully in this human body, in this flesh and blood that they were able to touch and see and eat with. But he was also in heaven and that when one was glorified, the other was glorified because God was one. The Father and the Son were one. In two places, but one. And Jesus sought to glorify himself, glorify the Father, glorify God by revealing and proving his compassion, his graciousness, and his slowness to anger, all demonstrated on the cross and the way he was to be treated on our behalf. So some questions for reflection. How are we transformed by the God who comes to save with such costly love? It was clearly and evidently difficult and painful for Jesus to go through this. How are we transformed by that? What difference does it make to us? And where in our life are we asking God to be glorified in us, even if it is costly? Jesus invites us to take up our cross and follow him. Where and what does that look like in our lives? There is the God who faced something that was immensely difficult, beyond our imagination, and he did it for us. And he asks and invites us to follow him. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the demonstration of your love that we see. 
We cannot comprehend it, but we are in awe and we say thank you. And we ask that we would be transformed by this unfailing love. And we ask that you would fill us with your spirit such that we desire the very same that you desire. And that we seek to glorify you, to reveal your compassion and your graciousness, your abundance of love. Reveal yourself in us, we pray, even if that is difficult, we ask. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.